Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. But you know what? I'm excited about today. And so honestly, I just in, in kind of asking God, okay, God, it's, it's like Palm Sunday, right? Today's Palm Sunday and I need a Palm Sunday message. And I even told Pastor Cody as he's getting ready to set list and everything, but he was totally spirit led because it really works with my message. We're going to do Palm Sunday. We're going to celebrate the triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. And Palm Sunday is because the people line the streets and they put big palm leaves down in front of Jesus shouting Hosanna to the soon coming King, son of David. Hosanna means rescue us, Lord, and all this stuff. And I was working really hard on a fantastic Palm Sunday message. I tell you, it was going to be incredible. I know. I just know it was going to be awesome. And then I, I realized that wasn't what God wanted to do. Okay. So I, I switched over and really felt God was stirring my heart on a message today, which is really leading us into next week uh, and, and beyond on miracles. How many guys know God is a miracle working God? Amen. He's still doing miracles today. He's still doing miracles today. He wants us to know that, man, we can believe for great things. We can believe for the impossible. We sing those songs. Those aren't just songs that we sing. It's a conviction that we have based on the word of God and the character and nature of God. And God is a miracle-working God. And next week, we've entitled the, the Easter message, The Miracle of Easter and Resurrection. And then immediately, the next week following, uh, my new series is going to be called Miracles. But today, I just really felt the Lord just stirring my heart to kind of launch us out. And let's just talk about uh, the miracle-working God we serve. We're going to look at a passage of scripture. I believe that's going to inspire us and stir our hearts. I believe it's going to minister to us. It's going to encourage our faith to believe for miracles. But I also believe it's going to really inspire us to make sure that we're inviting as many people as we can to come and sit, and not only a life-giving resurrection power message, but to experience the miraculous working of God. Amen? I believe that. And, and just for the record, if you're, especially if you're new here to Tree of Life, Tree of Life Church believes that God is a miracle-working God. Amen? We believe in the signs, wonders, and miracles that follow the preaching of the word. Amen? We believe that. Just in case you're wondering, just so you know that, miracles still happen today. Let's take a look at Psalm 77, verse 14. I love the Living Bible Translation. It's kind of hard to find. Um, you'll have it on the screen for you. But here's what the Living Bible Translation says. It says this, you are the God of miracles and wonders. You still demonstrate your awesome power. Look at what it says. You are and you still. You know what? That's present tense. Oh, come on, that's Old Testament, that's the Bible, that's, that's back in the days. Let me, it's present tense, the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is still the God of miracles and wonders. He still demonstrates his awesome power, amen? And so we need to believe that and believe that to be true because the word is true. Let's take a look in Job 5.9. I like this one found in the book of Job of all books. It says this, he performs wonders that cannot be fathomed and miracles that cannot be counted, amen? He performs, he is still doing that. He is still doing that. Let me ask you this question. How many of you would say that you've ever experienced what you would call, or maybe someone else would call, a miracle? Raise your hand. You've ever experienced, look at all the hands. That's a lot of hands over the auditorium. Okay, put your hands down. How many of you would say that you know somebody that has experienced what you would call a miracle? I mean, raise your hand. Come on, how, how, who can dispute that God is a miracle working God? And I know people try and talk about it's God's not whatever. And you know what? A miracle trumps any argument out there. And God is the only one, the only God that does miracles today. Amen. Everybody else is dead, right? They're all dead. There's an empty tomb that this is the only belief system that has that. And he's still alive doing miracles. Amen. 
I want to tell you a miracle story to kind of kick this thing off this morning. It's probably not the normal miracle story uh, from the standpoint of when we attach miracles to amazing uh, uh, healings, and we see that all the time, blind eyes being open. We've seen that. We've seen that. We've, we've seen people that were in wheelchairs or walkers walking without that, and uh, we've seen God do amazing things and reports from doctors being radically changed and people getting up off deathbeds. We've seen all that. This is a little bit different twist on a miracle story, but can I say it's one of the greatest miracles I've ever seen or experienced? in my life. And it's been years ago. It's been probably over 20 years ago. Uh, maybe not quite that long, but I was leading uh, a missions trip from Tree of Life to Tampico, Mexico, right on the Gulf Coast. And so about an eight-day trip, we took a bunch of people, probably 30, 35 people. Uh, we, do, uh, we did all kinds of outreaches. We did medical clinics, dental clinics. We did crusades at night. And so we were there for about a week, about halfway through the trip, well, actually towards the end of the trip. I got a phone call from my mom, who was obviously here, and she said, um, I know that you're in Mexico on the trip. I just want you to be uh, looking out for this particular young lady. There's a teenage girl that was in the church. Her family's in the church. In fact, her mom might be here this morning, still in the church. And she had run away. She had just gotten kind of confused and deceived on some things. And she's a teenage girl. She just hopped in her car one day, took all the money that she had, and she headed to Mexico. She just headed for the border. At some point in time, she ended up in Monterey, and then she left, and the consulate in Monterey actually ended up getting in, in uh, contact with her parents, but they didn't have any reason to hold her. They didn't know anything was going on. And so she had made it through checkpoints and she had made it across the border without registering things and vehicles, uh, traveling by herself, a single teenage girl, very unsafe. And she was headed to Cancun, Mexico, just running away, just had gotten to that point in life. And so mom's telling me, it's like, so just, just be looking. And I'm like, mom, really? I mean, Mexico's huge. There's, I mean, miles of roads and I mean, who knows? And uh, it just, it, incredible. And I'm like, well, and mom's like, we're praying. Son, we're praying. Her mom's praying. We got ladies here at the church. We're praying. I said, yes, ma'am. And so we got up early one morning to head back to New Braunfels and we were on the road, these windy back roads in the middle of nowhere, pouring down rain, rainstorm, 5.30 in the morning. And so we had three vans, I was driving the last van, and all of a sudden we pass this car and it turns around and gets behind. And how many of you guys know on an out of the way road in Mexico, when a car turns around, it's like, and all of a sudden the lights are flat, not, not flat, like they're blinking their lights at you and you don't want to stop. You're like, no, keep faster, faster, faster. <laughs> and so I, I, they're right behind me and just keep blinking, 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 blinking. And, and, and so I just really felt impressed. I radioed the vans in front of me. And I said, hey, you know what, this, we, I don't know, let's pull over. And I said, okay. So I pull over and who gets out of the car but that girl? Isn't that amazing? And I'm like, you are kidding me. In Mexico at 5.30 in the morning and a pouring rain, a random, random time, random place in man's estimation, what are the chances? And I said, how in the world did you know it was us? And she said, because you're driving a van that said Tree of Life Church on the side. Come on. Who says God is a miracle working God? Come on, man. That's awesome. Can I say, I've seen some amazing things, but that, I don't know if that's tops for me. That has to be right at the top. Man, of one of the greatest miracles ever. So, man, God's good. Amen. And he loves you. Nothing's too big. Nothing's too difficult. And I got to tell you, just, I mean, the heart of a mom praying for her lost teenage girl. And I tell you, it has changed lives. I mean, now y'all have experienced and maybe your faith has been built through that story. But I tell you, God still does miracles today. And we see amazing things. And I, I'm going to uh, actually start today kind of getting things going just in the hope of it, it inspiring you. Um, maybe kind of building your faith a little bit. 
and for the God that we serve, uh, you know, loves you so much. And honestly, everyone needs a miracle. I mean, we, if we were honest, we all need a miracle in some way in our life. And so let's start with the story of Lazarus. Maybe you're familiar with the story. Lazarus was dead for four days, the Bible says, and Jesus comes on the scene and, and through the power of God brings him back to life. And so let's take a look at this story. Uh, John 11, starting in verse one. Let's start reading here. It says, now a man named Lazarus was sick. And let me stop right there. I mean, in order for there to be a miracle, obviously there has to be a need. I mean, there's a need, there's an issue, there's a challenge, something in life. And so we see here in this case that Lazarus was sick. We know it eventually led to his death. But I just want to say this morning that we need a perspective change because typically for you and I, now obviously for those of us that want a miracle in life, we want a miracle in life, but we don't want a problem, right? Right? I mean, now honestly, I want a problem so I can experience a miracle. Well, you don't have to want a problem. They just come. But there has to be a problem or a need for there to be a miracle. And so here's what I want you to understand that in... And in, in looking at our lives and the issues and challenges in life, we need a perspective change because we would say that my problem is the breeding ground or the soil for greater problems. And I would say to you that your problem is the breeding ground and the soil for miracles, amen? For miracles. There's a problem before there's a miracle. And I want to say, let's make sure that our perspective is in line with the word of God. And that if you are facing a challenge in your life, your problem is the soil, not for greater problems, but your problem is the soil from which your miracle can grow from. Amen? Because God is a faithful God. And so we need to see it that way. Every miracle starts with a problem or need. It goes on to say this. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. The next scripture. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. Now this is just kind of giving some context to the story. Uh, Jesus was there uh, one day with uh, Lazarus' sisters, Mary and Martha, and, and Mary uh, broke open this expensive, hugely expensive bottle of perfume and uh, over uh, the feet of Jesus and uh, wiped it with her hair. And it goes on to say this in verse three. So the sisters sent word to Jesus. Now listen to this next phrase. The one, Lord, the one you love is sick. Sick. What a powerful statement. And I say that because listen to the approach. The appeal that the sisters are making to Jesus is not from the place that you and I would make an appeal typically from. The appeal is to Jesus from this standpoint. Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. Because here's what you and I in our humanity look at things. We want to make an appeal to Jesus out of our love for him. And that could be a bit discouraging. Let's just be quite honest. And I love that our miracles are not based on our love for him, but his love for me, amen. Because there's just sometimes, because of circumstances in life, I don't know what I can believe. And this isn't based on performance, come on. This isn't based on works. The miracles of God are based on his love for you, not what you can do for him. And that's a terrible, terrible place to be when we see it that way, because then we never feel like we can do enough, be good enough, earn enough, give enough, serve enough, and therefore, if we don't receive a miracle, we get discouraged and we say, what's the point anyways? You realize he loves you no matter what. He loves you no matter what. And the miracle is based on his love for you, not your love for him our approach to Jesus, because we'll go to him and say, okay, here's what we'll do, right? Here's, oh, here's what I'll do, okay. Man, I love you. I mean, you know how much I love you, God. 
I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm at church every Sunday. I, I, I preach my heart out. I, I study for hours. I get ready. We, we do this church. We, we do it to please you. And, and, and we give faithfully to missions and, and, and Jesus. And, and we help widows. And we, and we help the poor. And we help orphans. And, and Lord, we've been so good. And I've been in every meeting. And, and I prayed. I prayed every day. I, I get up early. And I've even fasted. And, and I've done this, Lord. And I've done this, Lord. And my miracle's not based on my love for him, but his love for me. Amen. Aren't you glad for that? I'm glad for that. I'm so thankful. It's based on his love for me. They didn't appeal to Jesus on behalf of how much Lazarus loved him, but how much Jesus loved Lazarus. I want you to know this morning, the thing that moves God's heart the most is God. The thing that moves God's heart the most is God, because he's God and he's love. There's no greater motivator than love and the love of God. Aren't you glad for that? I mean, I think that we've been lied to, we've been deceived, or we just on our own, we've, we've thought differently, and we, we think it's a bit when we don't have any sin, or when we get our act together, or, or if we'll, we'll give this, and we see it, and if you turn on late night TV, you'll see people, if you'll give an offering of this, God will heal you or deliver you, and it's not that at all, it's not based on any of those things, it's based on his love for you. If it was based on our need, he'd heal everybody that had a need. If it's based on our desperation, we would all walk out whole. It's his love for us. And then let me say something here because I know then the pushback on that would be, but I thought it was faith that moves the hand of God. And it is, honestly. But what's your faith based in? Is your faith based in how much you love God or how much God loves you? Because I know the more I believe God loves me, the stronger my faith is. So it's still the same. So I want to encourage you in that. It's based on how much God loves you. Uh, let, me say, let, me, let me say this then. Will God do a miracle for people who don't love him? Yes. Yeah, come on. How many times have we seen God do? And we're like, what? <laughs> they hate you. <laughs> they hate you. I love you. But God loves everybody. That's what John three sixteen says, right? For God so loved the world. So I, I just, I think sometimes we, we get it reversed and I love the appeal they made. And, well, let me ask you this question. If someone doesn't receive a miracle, does that mean God doesn't love them? No, of course not. Of course not, because of John three sixteen, We know that. So we have to understand that. Now, John eleven four. let's keep going in the story. Uh, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. Oh, get that, this sickness will not end in death. I want you to take that. I want you to write that on your mirror if you're not feeling good, if you have a struggle in life, if this sickness, in a sense, can be this finances, this marriage, these relationships. Listen, you need to hold on to that, that this marriage will not end in death. This relationship with my kids will not end in death. This lack of income will not end in death. This loss of job will not end in death. Come on. So this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now, a lot of people will teach this differently. Like, see, God put that sickness on Lazarus or caused him to die so he could say, look what I do. And that's not it at all. That's life. How many guys know life happens? And God doesn't need to put stuff on people. Life happens and it's there already. But what Jesus is saying, there's a bigger thing. There's always a bigger thing at work here and God will do things not just so you can have your need met, but so so many people's lives can be changed as well. And what Jesus was saying is like, hey, listen, guys, really? What's going to happen is a miracle here so that not only can Lazarus be healed, but so that people for centuries will know that there's a God in heaven that loves them. Come on, we're talking about it today, 2,000 years later. 
And if Jesus would say it this way, he said, you know what? I'm gonna heal Lazarus, not just so Lazarus gets healed and everybody around him loves that stuff. I'm gonna do it now so 2,000 years later at Tree of Life Church on a Sunday morning before Easter, they're talking about me doing miracles. There's always something more at work than what we realize because he's a miracle-working God because he loves you. The miracle that's getting ready to happen is gonna be way bigger than somebody being raised from death to life. Let me say this, anything dead can be raised to life. My dead, my thing dead can be raised to life. Anything can. Let me say, dead dreams can be raised to life. Dead purposes can be raised to life. Dead peace, dead security. Dead marriages can be raised to life. Dead relationships with kids and friends can be raised to life. Dead emotions, dead on the inside, feeling, depression, all that can be raised to life. Anything dead can be raised to life, amen? Can come back to life. We need to know dead things can come alive again. We need to know that. If we don't, we fall into what I would call the death trap. And so let's take a look at this real quick because it's an easy place to go. It's a dangerous place to go, the death trap. Take a look at John eleven six. Here's where it starts. So when he heard, heard, first heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. Are you kidding me? You stay there? I just, I think that's just so, so God. I mean, he obviously had a plan and everybody had to be so frustrated. That's your best friend. You love him. It's, he loves you and, and we gotta go. It's like, no, we're gonna stay here two more days. He's always at work on something. And that, and that I think just really what we have to be careful of, it leads us to this. We don't understand how God works. We don't understand how God works. You know what? You should be glad you don't understand how God's work because if you can bring God down to your mind, then you've just made him way too small. He's way bigger than our mind. In fact, he blows our mind. He should, amen? I mean, I don't understand this, God, but I trust you. Why? Because I know you love me. I just want to encourage you guys. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. He's looking at a much bigger picture than we're looking at. And so here's what we pray. Have you ever prayed this before? Um, that that God, God, this would be a great time for a miracle. I mean, if there ever was a time for a miracle, it'd be really great for you to show up today because all these people then, they'll, they'll know that there's a God in heaven. God, I'm telling you, if you want to really be known right now, oh, you could change the lives right with this one. I'm telling you, come on. Am I the only one that prays those prayers sometimes? Okay, all right, so I'm okay with that. I'm okay. And, uh, you know, it's this idea that we just don't understand how God's work and Sometimes we, we look at a delay or something like that as God not caring, and, and that's not true. The fact is God has a different perspective, and God has a divine strategy. He sees a bigger picture. Let's skip up to uh, verse 11, verse 11 through 13. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus, now listen to this, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to wake him up. Next verse. And his disciples replied, well, Lord, if he's asleep, he'll get better. We don't need to go there, basically. And Jesus had been speaking of his death. They've been talking about it. Jesus had been speaking of his death, but his disciples thought he meant natural sleep. So then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. I love that because you can almost hear Jesus' frustration because Lazarus is dead. And when Jesus' perspective is he's just asleep. And they're still not getting it, even though they've walked with them for about three years. And so because what they're seeing and what they're hearing is not lining up with what Jesus is saying. So then Jesus says, okay, okay, he's dead. (laughs) But you know what we have to be careful of? We have to be really careful of when we get to the place that what we see and what we hear does not line up with what Jesus says. But can I tell you what Jesus says is more powerful and more real than what you see and what you hear? Because he has the last word. 
he has a last word because he still does miracles today. And we don't understand. What we understand is what people are telling us and what we see or feel with our body. But what we need to line our belief up with is not what we see or feel or hear, but by every word of God, by God's word. He still does miracles today. So we don't understand that at times. So we have to be very, very careful. We have to make sure that we are lined up with God's perspective and his word and not our perspective. And we need to be careful that what happens when what we see doesn't line up with his word. Then what happens then is this. We go to number two on the, if you will, the death trap. Uh, We get consumed with doubt. Doubt begins to overtake us. Because now we don't understand this and what we're seeing and hearing is not lining up with what Jesus says. It begins to consume us. Doubt overtakes us. Look at verse 16. Verse 16 says this. And for your, uh, okay, then Thomas, and I just feel for Thomas, but then Thomas, also known as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, let us go, let us also go that we may die with him. Thomas, the guy, number one, he's got a, that terrible name Didymus. I don't know what that means, but, never, but then he's doubting Thomas. He'll forever be known as doubting Thomas. He just doesn't help himself with things like this, right? And so it's like, you don't want Thomas hanging out with you if you need a miracle. That's easy to see. Because here's what Thomas takes is that, oh, oh, he's dead? Oh, well, we may all as well just go then. All, us all die together. He's Eeyore. He is. You know what, I actually, this is gonna sound funny and, and it was a total waste of time, um, but I spent uh, quite a bit of time looking at video clips of Eeyore. I thought I could find the right one to play. But after about 15 minutes, I got really depressed. <laughs> like, I can't, I, gotta, I had to take time out and revive myself in the Holy Spirit again. I was like, we might as well all get together and go die then. <laughs> we laugh, but we got people like that in our life. How many guys, don't, no, don't raise your hand. <laughs> you got some Eeyores in our life. And we got to be really careful because they'll pull us right back into that place and we'll get consumed with doubt, overtaken with doubt. And some of you this morning are discouraged and caught up in doubt. What you see and what God has said are different and the world's trying to pull you away from what God has said. The final step in the death trap, then you'll go on to this next step, which is this. We just give up on God. We just give up. Maybe you're there already. Maybe you've come in here this morning kind of throwing your, maybe that's why you're here. Um, just, well, let's try this. One more, one, more, one more shot. Last effort here. Kind of throw your hands up. You aren't even going to try anymore and you feel hopeless and you feel helpless. Let's take a look at John eleven seventeen. 17. Here's what it says. The next verse says, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. That's really significant that it says four days because understand this, in the Jewish custom of that day, they believed the soul would hang around, hover, linger around the body for three days. That was the Jewish belief system. So in everyone else's eyes, this is over. It's four days. Maybe that's why Jesus waited two more days. Because in the custom of the day, everyone would have given up and said, it's done. Call it. But it's never over (laughs) when you serve a miracle-working God. It's never over when you serve a God that still does miracles, amen? When you serve a God that has the last word, it is never over and it may be over in everyone else's mind or opinion, but we need the mind and opinion of God and his word, amen? Don, uh, my wife and I, we, uh, the last couple of days, spent some time with family, we had family come in. We were at the Kansas City Royals, Texas Ranger baseball game. My family's all from KC, so we went and hung out and had a good time with them. And, and so church comes up, and they know what we do. And 
And so I'm just talking with him. I never try and preach at him. And we're just always available and stuff. And so uh, my my cousin's wife was just talking and and she talked about growing up as a kid in a certain belief system. And so it really kind of discouraged her from believing God. She was just disappointed, discouraged, and really hasn't, they haven't been in church in a long time. They just, what's the point? What's the point? They kind of just gave up on God or the things of God because of what they'd been taught or the disappointment and discouragement that comes in life. And, and that's really a sad place to be and you may be there today, but there's always hope because dead things can come to life again because God is a miracle working God. Let's look at verse 20. Here's what it says in verse 20. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. This is interesting to me because Mary didn't even go out. No, we're talking about this this thing about giving up. And so look again, when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, Mary and Martha were the sisters of Lazarus. It says that Martha went out to meet him. She apparently still had some hope there, but Mary didn't even come out. And remember earlier in the story we read when I was talking who Mary and Martha were, Mary was the one who broke an extremely expensive jar of perfume, I think is what it says on the, on the feet of Jesus, and then wiped it with her hair. She's, she's there worshiping Jesus, but, but somehow she gave up hope. I mean, have you been there when you're, you're coming and you're celebrating and you're raising your hands and God, I love you and it's so amazing and then all of a sudden circumstances change differently and what you're seeing and what you're hearing is not lining up with the word of God and you can go from this place worshiping at the feet of Jesus and if you're not careful, you can find yourself slipping in that place of hopelessness. But God can bring dead things back to life again. So Martha goes out. Mary obviously had given up. Maybe some of you are here. Maybe your marriage, you would say, is four days dead. And maybe everybody around you is calling it. Maybe your, your finances, you lost your job and it's just you can't seem to get anywhere and get ahead. Maybe, maybe it's four days dead and, and maybe you're calling it. And maybe the report from the doctor has come and, and maybe you're not feeling any better. Or maybe it's four days dead now and, and, and you're calling it. Maybe the relationship with your kid, may, maybe the friends, may, maybe it's the emotional needs, maybe it's your dreams, but God can bring dead things back to life again. He's a miracle-working God. It's what he does. We serve a God of miracles, and long after man has declared something dead, God can bring it back to life. It's who he is and what he does. What is it in your life that's dead or dying? And if we could say it in these terms, what is it that's on day one, day two, day three, day four? What, what is it in your life? It's important to identify so then you can believe God for that to come alive again. And then hold on to the words of Jesus where he said, this, whatever it is, will not end in death. Death is never final. John 11, 25 through 26, love these scriptures. Here's what it says. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they may die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this, he says, Everything changes right here. Everything changes. How can we let Jesus bring to life the dead things that we have? Let me give you three things. How to bring to life, bring to life the dead things that you've identified. Number one, settle in your heart who Jesus is. You have got to settle in your heart who Jesus is. We don't go to church just to go to church. We don't, we don't want to be churchy. Churchy doesn't change anybody's life. You could have been in church your whole life and still not settle in your heart who Jesus is. You just settle in your heart who Jesus is. There is one person in the story who never gave up hope, and that is Martha. 
She had this part down. She settled it in her heart. John eleven twenty seven. the next one, New King James Version says this. She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe, listen, that you are the Christ, the son of God who came into this world. Christ means anointed one, one with power, one who has power over every situation, one who has power over every circumstance, one who has power to bring dead things back to life. She settled in her heart that he was the one with power to change. It didn't matter how far gone or how many people had called it. She settled in her heart that he is the one who can bring dead things to life. Settle it in your heart who Jesus is to you. She settled it in her heart. Martha came out with an expectancy. Now, I want you to hear this. I don't know if I'll explain this well, but Martha came out with an expectancy, not an expectation, and that's different. And we need to know the difference because too many times we come with an expectation, meaning expectation says this, I'm dealing with this, and this is how I want or think you should respond. We have an expectation to an expected outcome. And therefore, if it doesn't turn out the way we expect, then we get discouraged and we lose hope. But listen, if you have an expected outcome and you're trying to keep Jesus in a box, guess what? It ain't gonna happen that way. Because he sees a bigger picture. He has more things with divine strategy at work and he can do much more than you could hope, ask, or think. But if you come with an expectancy of who he is, a miracle working God, then he holds my expectation. He's the one who holds my expectation. I have an expectancy that he's a miracle working God. However you work this out, work it out. I'm not gonna put limits on you. I mean, it'll kind of be cool for this to happen this way, but hey, however you wanna do it, right? Because we box him up. And we attach it to an expectation when that expectation, see, it doesn't work anyways. I mean, he should have done this and should have done that. I mean, this is what I asked him for. It's not, not really real. Really, he didn't do that way? Wow. He doesn't work that way? He's not gonna do that for me then. And we just, we, we live off expectations and we, our faith lives and dies off expectations. But we need to have an expectancy. However you wanna do it, Christ the anointed one, who am I to tell you? I'm just gonna have an expectancy of your power being released in my life. And somehow, some way, you bring dead things back to life. Our hope needs to be in the one who holds the outcome, not in the outcome. Verse 21 through 22 says this, Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know, but I know even now, God, you will, God will give you whatever you ask. Her hope, her expectancy was in him. Somehow, some way, settle it in your heart. Have your expectancy in the one who holds your outcome. Number two, stop analyzing everything. Stop analyzing. Anybody like that other than me? Yeah, you gotta know all the ins and outs and how all that works. Listen, that, is, that will mess you up. The Bible says the natural mind is the enemy of God. We will struggle with our faith if we listen to our mind and our feelings all the time. God loves to blow our minds. We're not gonna figure him out. We shouldn't, he's too big for that. Look at uh, verse 38 and 39, says this. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time, there's a bad odor, for he's been there four days. And you know, my dad, my dad, when he would preach this story, my dad was a King James Version guy. How many King James Version people die hard? Yeah, come on, you got your King James. Okay, I, I grew up on the King James Version. My dad loved this one because it, there it said, he stinketh. I mean, it's just like, I think that's the only reason he used the King James Bible. He loved that. 
But I don't even know where I was going now. I totally lost my thought. Okay, all right. So, but we need to trust in a great big miracle working God that he knows what he's doing. And it doesn't make sense to us at times, but we gotta trust he knows what he's doing. You don't have to figure it all out. You can't figure it all out. His ways are higher than your ways and his thoughts are higher than your thoughts. We are not moved by what we see, feel, hear, or smell. (laughs) We are moved only by the word of God. That's what the Bible says. And number three, we need to start living again. Start living again. Verse 43 through 44 says this. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, or them gathered, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Listen, we have got to take off the grave clothes and live again. You have a choice. You can stay wrapped up in bondage of that which is death or dying, or you can come out of that, that dark, dreary tomb and you can live again and take off those de- that doubt and unbelief of those dirty, rotten, smelly grave clothes. Have you been around someone that says, man, you look like death? <laughs> Have you, and it's like, come on, we should not, we should live again. Live again. No matter what, I'm trusting God. No matter how I feel, I feel like death, but I'm going to live life to the full. I may, I may want to look like, I'm not going to look that way. I'm going to look like I'm healed and whole. I'm going to look like God's a healer. I'm going to look like he's a miracle working God. I'm going to dress for where I'm going, not for where I am. I'm going to dress for where I'm going, not for where I am. Get off the old grave clothes. If that's where you are, take them off and get dressed for where you're going to healing and wholeness with your miracle working God, bringing that which is dead back to life. Our dead marriages need to dress for where we're going of healing and restoration instead of staying in a dark, dreary tomb wrapped in dead grave clothes. Amen? That was for somebody right there. Okay, amen. Lazarus had a choice. Step out of the tomb, take off the grave clothes and be defined by life. Start living again. This sickness will not end in death. Last thought, God is not finished with you yet. I don't care if everybody else around you has called it. God is not finished with you yet. He can bring dead things back to life. Instead of believing what I see, I choose to believe what Jesus said. Instead of believing what I see, I choose to believe what Jesus has said. I want to give you this story. I heard the story told, so I did some research on my own. It's about Death Valley. If you're familiar with Death Valley, it's a place in the United States that's the hottest, driest place in the U.S. Less than two inches of rainfall in Death Valley. It's called Death Valley for a reason. But in 2005, something amazing happened. They had what they call a super bloom. They had a super bloom where Death Valley just came to life. In fact, I have a picture. Here's 2005 super bloom of Death Valley. Amazing. That's Death Valley, the hottest, driest place that receives less than two inches of rainfall annually. In 2005, they had what they call a super bloom. And there was a man who studied that super bloom, and it happened like in 1997 or 98, happened again. And his name was Sir Ken Robinson, and I read what he wrote, and here's what he wrote. He said, Death Valley isn't dead, it's dormant, and lying beneath the ground are seeds of possibility. And when the conditions are right, life can grow and thrive. And here's what I want you to know, church. Here's what I want you to know, people gathered here today. For your marriage, for your body, for your relationships, for your finances, for the place you need a miracle, just below the surface are seeds of possibility that are waiting for the right conditions. (laughs) 
Seeds of possibility lie just below the surface, waiting for the right conditions. And can I say this? We have been praying. We are continuing to pray. We're believing God. Resurrection Sunday will be a Sunday out of new life, an explosion of new life. We believe immediately following that we're going to do a series on miracles. We're believing that conditions, our prayers are, our confession of faith is. We're reading the word. We're doing praise and worship. We're creating an atmosphere of the miraculous. We believe that those seeds right below the surface and that which is dead and dying in your life will come to life and bloom again, bloom again. I'm telling you, you do not want to miss next week and you want to make sure everybody you know that has something dead or dying in their life is in this place and immediately following that, the series that we're going to be in, we all know people that need miracles. Come on, we are going to trust God, take him at his word and we're going to pray and have an expectancy to raise the level of faith in this place for new life to bloom again and for the people that thought that which is dead and dying will have new life once more. Amen? That's what we're believing for. We need to make sure as many people can be here as possible. We believe the conditions are right for things to come back to life or for new life to spring up. Why? Because God is a miracle working God. He's still doing miracles today. We believe that. Amen. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas. Or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.